Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey there, welcome back into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Barb Schwaman. Now, who is Barb Schwaman? Barb is the superintendent of schools in Osage Community School District in Iowa, where she has been for the past seven years. Barb is also the superintendent of schools in the Riceville Community School District, conveniently also located in Iowa, where she has been for the past five years. It's an interesting partnership that exists between the two districts, and Barb is going to share that, among many other things, in this interview today. I will tell you that Barb was one of the people that, like so many of us, um, that I met and built a relationship with really through Zoom during the pandemic. And last August, I had the opportunity to be the opening speaker at both Osage and Riceville and finally got to meet Barb in person. And it was an incredible experience. It's something I truly enjoyed. And I love that I was able to come and bring that positive message, that that boost of energy, that that little bit of hope to both of the districts and to have some really great conversations and build relationships with teachers and, and other staff in both of those districts. It was also very interesting to me, and I think this comes out real clear in the interview today, just what an incredibly strong leader Barb Schwaman is. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you enjoy the conversation. We'll get to it here in just a moment. But before we do, a quick message from Road to Awesome. This is the time, folks. As school leaders, we need to be thinking about how we are going to support our staff when they come back to us in August. Yes, our summer break is going to go by real quick. And while right now you're busy focusing on the runway, on getting the plane on the ground, you know what I mean, finishing up the school year, it's time to start locking in your dates for the beginning of next school year. Right now, our teachers really need a gust of hope. They need something, that little bit of energy, that boost under their wings to lift them up. I can tell you my speaking dates are already starting to fill up for the month of August, and I really want to come and bring that message of hope to your school. I want to bring that message of positivity, that message of inspiration. Invest in your staff. Give them that gust of hope that they really need to help them get focused, to remember what it is that they can control and what they can't control, to focus on what they can and let go of what they can't, and to really take charge of the culture and the climate of their school to be the best they can be for those students next year. I'd love to have that opportunity. Reach out. All my contact information is in the show notes. I would love to come help get your staff on the road to awesome. And now, let's listen in to Barb Schwaman. I hope you enjoy, and I will see you on the other side. All right. Welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Uh, my guest today, Barb Schwaman. Barb, I am so excited to have you on the show to talk leadership, to talk all things Iowa, athletics. I mean, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So welcome into the show, Barb. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Darren. 
Yeah, it's like I said, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation. Um, for those who don't know, um, I've known Barb now for a couple of years. Um, we've got uh, we've got some pretty great connections, and I had an opportunity to spend some time at both of her school districts uh, last summer. And uh, we're just going to have a conversation today about leadership. So, Barb, real quick before we dive into that, for for my listeners who maybe don't know you. Um, extremely well, or maybe they just kind of kind of follow you a little bit on social media, or have never even heard of Barb Schwaman. A little bit of background, just so people know who is this person that's having a conversation with me today. Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, I'm a proud product of the Iowa public school system. I graduated um, from a real small rural K-12 school district, but I had an amazing education due to some great teachers. Um, I learned how to work on our family farm. I went off to the University of Northern Iowa and I got my teaching endorsement for early childhood elementary, my coaching endorsement, a science minor. I was very active in all of that. Um, and again, due to go my- Go Panthers. Degree, yeah, go Panthers. And very well-rounded. Um, and then when I got my first teaching jobs, um, I taught sixth grade and I thought, oh, I'll never do that again. Um, and then I taught third grade and fourth grade in a looping scenario. And uh, then I taught second and third grade with an exact loop class. And then for the last part of my career, I was a fifth and sixth grade. Yep, I went back to science and math. And that's kind of my first passion and love um, of doing that and was able to integrate a lot of technology and an early adopter of a lot of things. So I taught school for 12 years. And during that time, I also coached volleyball, basketball and track and at every level, um, girls and boys. I did a boy stint as well for some junior high boys one time when they needed someone. So um, a lot of cool things there. And then I became a principal. Um, so for eight years, I became the pre-K-8 principal at South Winnishik. Um, a great job. Um, it was a school that needed some improvements, especially in their middle school. So we were assigned a school or a school in need of improvement under that No Child Left Behind model that they had. And so we came in there and we made them a shining star in Northeast Iowa. So we took that in an eight-year process from where they were at and grew in every single capacity. So I was really proud of what we did. And then I had the opportunity to be the superintendent at Osage. And so um, what a great opportunity that was because it was a bigger school in Iowa or, you know, in the, the not a, a district that's real small. It's a thousand students. And again, that's an average size school in Iowa. Um, so was able to be that superintendent for two years. And then as most superintendents do, you look at finances. And so one thing we could do to improve our finances was to look at some operational sharing. And in the state of Iowa, there's lots of incentive money um, given by the state of Iowa for sharing. For example, if superintendents are shared with another district, each student gets the equivalent of eight students. And so, again, when your students are worth $7,000, you take that times eight, and each district was getting $56,000 just for sharing me. Now, that sounds really awesome. I wasn't getting that money. Um, but the bottom line is that when you share the number, they would allow us to get a maximum of 21 different students for free by sharing positions. And so our districts did that. Um, and again, that's how I became the shared superintendent with Riceville. And we've been in this agreement for five years. So again, um, there's a lot of challenges that come with that. I have two different school districts. And as you know, Darren, they're very different from each other. Um, you know, it's yeah. the tale of two cities or in the tale of two school districts, but they both have wonderful things going on. They both have real positive feelings to them. And they're both in school improvement modes and, and just doing some amazing things for kids. So again, that's a little bit how we've gotten to this point there. Um, I also involved being in a lot of other leadership things. Um, you know, I, I have a great network of people and part of that's from Mitchell County Economic Development. I'm on our chamber board. I've been a part of our education foundation. I'm in Juanus. And then when that went up, we are now in Rotary. Um, and then in the state, I actually hold some roles on the Iowa High School Athletic Association. I'm on in the, my fifth year on a five-year term for the board of control. 
and I was chairperson during the pandemic. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Um, I'm also a rural schools of Iowa advocate, and I've been elected to be the Northeast Iowa legislative rep. And so I represent the 98 school districts up in this corner. And then school administrators of Iowa. I mentor a lot of first-year superintendents, um, superintendents who are actually what I call wannabes and in programs at UNI or Drake or around the state um, to that. And then this just last week, I actually got asked to be a critical friend, and that meant a lot to me being a Panther. So I will be a critical friend to superintendents in training, and that means I will be down on campus this summer teaching a class. I'll be down there on panels and just someone that all the superintendents can reach out to um, as they're preparing in their program, and you basically are just there to lend that helping hand. So um, I'm pretty active. I'm pretty busy. I do a lot of stuff. I'm on the Buena Vista Ed, Ed Board for Buena Vista University. I help at Luther College um, with interviews, prepping kids for interviews. So I pretty much help wherever needed if I am free and available. Yeah, that's uh, Barb just has a little bit on her plate. That's that's kind of the moral of of that piece right there. There's lots of things that you have going on. And I think that that's that's pretty typical of a lot of a lot of superintendents that they're going to get involved in a lot of different ways. And, and in some ways, I always felt this way that the more of those things that that you can be a part of, that you can that you can you know kind of put your hands into, gives you number one, you know, that additional networking. Number two, gives you a little bit more of that that insight to ultimately help your district and to help your kids. When when you think about all the different things that that you're involved in, and I do want to come back in a couple minutes to uh, the um, Iowa Athletic Association, but all of those different things that you're involved in, how do you see, and, and I guess, you know, maybe if your board says at some point in time, wow, Barb, you got a million things. How do you explain to them or share with them or, or what do they see in terms of value back to your kids with you being involved in all of those different spaces? Absolutely. So, you know, it's easy. The athletic association one, that's an honor to be on that board and it's an elected official as well for this Northeast corner. Um, and you also have a seat at the table. So you are helping with policy, you're helping with procedure. And again, um, not only do they oversee athletics, but it's the music association, the speech, um, you know, esports is falling under that category. So you are helping set those policies and procedures and you give them the perspective of a small rural school district. And again, sometimes we feel like in Iowa, sometimes it's what we call the golden triangle or the schools in the metro area that, you know, are driving our policy. But it's really important that a majority of the schools in Iowa are out in the rural areas. So again, to make sure that the seat at the table, how will these decisions that are made affect small schools, rural schools? Um, you know, our athletic directors in small schools have very different roles than they do in the big schools where they're just a full-time athletic director. Most of the small schools, uh, the athletic directors are still teaching maybe up to half a day and doing all of those duties and chaperoning all of those things. So again, it's, it's just a good reminder. Um, as far as the lobbying and being on the legislative, I don't think that anyone will ever say not to do that. Um, because again, it's important that we get as much funding as possible for our students and for our public schools. Right now we're in the middle of the voucher battle. In fact, this week um, is probably the showcase. And um, for five years now, it came up in my memories on one of my social media accounts is that we've been dealing with this for five years in Iowa. This is the big week. And again, if any piece of pie goes to private school vouchers, that's money that we're going to lose from public education. So right now it's $55 million for 10,000 students. Um, and so, again, that's money that we cannot afford to lose out of our pie as public school. Eventually, that does hurt us. And then I think, you know, for oh, wow. me, the mentoring. 
piece, the mentoring piece is awesome because that impacts my decision-making because it helps me be a reflective practitioner. It helps me think of why are we doing things when you're teaching someone else, when you teach someone else how to do something or you talk through that, it's a Bloom's taxonomy at its highest level. So again, I really do enjoy doing that because it makes me reflect on what we're doing, why we do it. And sometimes it helps you celebrate how far we've come and what we really have going on. You know, as educators, we're always in school improvement mode. And I think we always, how can we get better? How can we get better? Well, let's stop and celebrate. Let's stop and say, we are doing a lot of great things. And that's something that we need to do more of it, especially with today's climate um, in society and the political nature of things. Yeah, for sure. So, so you touched on something there, actually quite a few that, that were really great. I jotted down a bunch of notes I want to come back to, but, but I want to hit a little bit more on the Iowa Athletic Association. You and I were talking about this before, before we hit the record button that, uh, you know, the state of Iowa was one of the, you know, one of the leaders kind of out there on the front edge when the pandemic took place to say, Hey, you know what? We need to get our activities going. It's an important piece for the social and emotional well-being of our kids. Um, Talk a little bit more about that and how from from both the policy level and then also even just, you know, within your own district, you took up that position to ensure that your kids were not going to lose out on those opportunities. Yeah, we felt very strongly that kids needed that um, having uh, a child myself in that position um, when school was canceled that that March and then into April and knowing that there wasn't going to be a final season for um, athletics for my daughter, who was a senior at the time and outstanding track girl. And so that was heartbreaking that she didn't get to do the Drake relays or her state tournament and those things. But to see the mental piece of it for kids um, was, was truly important. So as we went into that next school year and being the chairperson of that, that was something a lot of the leaders on that board felt strongly is how can we do this? How can we continue to have activities, even if you have to limit the amount of the crowd, you know, how can we put these things out for people to see, um, you know, and that's where a lot of the live streaming and all of that came to be as well. So, again, we're really proud that we were able to do that. You know, we were in Des Moines um, as part of the boys state basketball tournament when that all broke loose. And so we had to change midstream that year um, in 2020 that, you know, hey, we'd had full capacity crowds. All of a sudden the pandemic came out. Everybody else is shutting down from the NCAA to to all the other things the, the world were happening. So we decided to have those championship games where other states maybe cut them off at halftime or sent people home. We had our final games and we allowed those kids to have their championship moment. Now we limit it to like 100 people in the stadium, which was really crazy to be there for as well. But it was what was best for kids. And we were very thankful that we were allowed to, to do those things. Um, looking back, there's not a lot I would change. Um, you know, every school district had their own masking policy or whether they had it. But even in Iowa, things were different. Um, some of your metro schools were closed where we had school from day one, the entire school year. We um, modeled a little we uh, we tried a little four day week. Um, so that was awesome. We really love that. We know that's a model that works in other schools and other states. Um, so that was a great learning opportunity for us. Um, I know it's not the athletic piece, but it really does hammer into the fact we wanted what was best for our kids. So going to school, being in the activities, trying to keep things as well as possible or as normal as possible. We were really blessed. Our football team still made the playoffs. Our volleyball team won a state title. You know, our wrestlers did really well that year. I mean, there were just so many awesome things that were happening. And again, that's, those kids work hard for that. And so, again, you wanted their well-being to be at the, the forefront. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think it was it was interesting, and of course, I was you know still a seated superintendent at the time, and and in a rural district, you know, similar to you, a little bit smaller than yours, but seeing you know some real parallels there, where in the state of Colorado, you know, everything along the Front Range, you know, tended to drive the decision making. You know, eighty percent of the districts in Colorado are rural. Eighty percent of the kids are on the Front Range, but eighty percent of the districts are rural, and we saw some of that that varied response as well, and I think great leadership as a part of those as a part of those groups really made a huge difference we suffered a little bit in colorado because a decision was made with fall sports i.e. football not going to happen and then a couple of weeks later they reversed their decision and then it was well you can choose this season or that and and it ended up just really being a mess where it really sounds like um in iowa you guys were really thoughtful really thought it through made a real deliberate intention to say, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to keep it as normal as possible. And obviously that was a great benefit to your kids. Um, let's, let, let's transition just a little bit, um, you know, and, and again, staying with things that are good for kids. Um, great teachers in the classroom are good for kids. Great leaders in schools are good for kids. And right now we're going through a time across our country where we're losing teachers at an alarming rate. We are losing leaders at the school and district level at an alarming rate. And I'm wondering what it is that you guys are seeing in the state of Iowa and then maybe what might be some things you're doing to be intentional about keeping or being able to, re, you know, to attract quality teachers into your classrooms in both of your districts. You know, I think the biggest thing that we do is we just really work on what we're doing, our programming. And you, Joe Sanfilippo would say, tell your story. And so both of our districts have worked really hard on telling the story of what we're doing. We invite people into our classrooms. You know, we, we try to really just showcase all the great things that are going on with our curriculum. Um, and success breeds more success. And again, you just work through all those great things. So we have great families and great students, and our teachers are, are really going above and beyond to make sure that this tradition of excellence that we have continues on. And we also like to say the culture of yes. We try to figure out how can we make things happen with this culture of yes. Um, and so we don't say no to a lot of things as far as teachers wanting to do things. We want them to take risk. We want them to try new things. In fact, that's one of the big things that Osage is known for our computer science strand and how our um, students and staff, especially at the elementary level, have been integrating technology throughout. Um, it's just amazing to see how they're learning math, science, English, reading through that um through that integration of technology. You know, and so again, at Riceville, we have something called the R factor. And so we really talk about the relationship piece and how that R factor in a small, small school is something that can be really special. Um, and how you get to know kids in a K-12 building all the way through their schooling and education. So again, we, we're working on recruiting by positive promotion, obviously competitive salaries. Um, you know, it's really tough now because you have um, a lot of districts offering some sign-on bonuses. Um, I, so far we've been really blessed and I don't want to jinx us, but you know, we're not having where no one's applying for jobs right now. We had a first grade job in Osage and we had 15, 20 applicants. That's awesome. That's still down from what it would have been five years ago. Um, but it's great. Riceville, very super small school. Again, sometimes very hard to people. We were able to fill an English position, a guidance counselor position, a PE position, you know, and so we're not at a point, we just had a social studies job that came open. And I know we have five people in the hopper ready for that. So again, the good news is 
the tradition of your community, the tradition of your, you know, your quality of life. We really promote that quality of life um, here in Iowa. We've also raised substitute pay, um, you know, so we, we're doing that to try to be and promote people and be a top attractor, trying to make sure our, our minimum wages for our support staff at $15. And that's tough because we weren't anywhere close to that. Um, and so trying to make those jumps happen um, and still being fiscally responsible to the taxpayers. It's a balancing act. Yeah, no, it certainly is with, without a question. Um, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about just that really high number of turnover within the superintendent ranks alone in the state of Iowa and how um, you'd mentioned that uh, the number of female superintendents has, has gradually increased uh, across the state of Iowa. Um, what are you seeing as trends in terms of those leadership roles, specifically at the district level across across Iowa? What what are some concerns that might be there? Yeah, I think, you know, so far this year in the state of Iowa, and this is a real number, um, it was 48 last week. 48 superintendents have changed positions or job openings um, that have been filled or out there. And that's really high. It's usually 15 to 20 in any given year. Two years ago, I think the year of the pandemic, people stayed put and it was only 12 or 13. Um, so to be at 48 has huge implications, in my opinion. Um, those seasoned veterans, they're going to need to support the high amount of new people that we have coming in. When you have new superintendents maybe running a 3 or 4A school district as their first job, I'm not saying it can't be done. We just need to make sure we support those people. And at a time where public education um, doesn't have as much confidence, maybe the public doesn't always have as much confidence or legislature specifically, then we also need to make sure that we're working to help those people make good decisions. And so, again, to me, it's going to put more pressure on the whole system because we all need to join together, work together. We have weekly touch points with a lot of our superintendents where we get together online and we talk through any issues that we're seeing, things that are coming up. So again, I think it's how we support each other um, and how, how do we help those people gain the trust of their school boards, gain the trust of their communities in a time where the public's not as supportive as we'd like them to be of public education as they were in the 80s and 90s or even during the pandemic, you know, teachers went from being heroes and leaders to all of a sudden it's flip-flopping very fast. <clears throat> Big concerns to me is the job, the stress and the pressures of this job. The workload, you know, is overwhelming at best sometimes and this legislative climate and the lack of support, um, you know, it is tough. And so I just was very blessed. We recently hired a new high school principal. Again, the applicant pool was much smaller than it had been in the past, um, but Again, offering some higher salaries, offering competitive things so that we can compete with the metro, offering moving expenses, sign-on bonuses, and then the local mentoring with the state program, and just making sure you're there for those people and making sure they have a great transition with them and their families. So those are some things that we're doing to help support leaders. It is a great concern. Um, you know, I get to speak to a lot of classes, and I've worked with Drake specifically and you and I, and the good news is there are people in the pipeline for superintendency. I also teach a class for the Iowa Principal Leadership Academy that goes on, and that's a non-traditional program. And again, there are great people wanting to be principals. Um, but again, for how long will people stay with us and how long will this climate be there? And how do we continue to, to gain that trust? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting as we kind of round the bend, um, if you will, with with this pandemic time to see, you know, are, are some of those people who have left, are they eventually going to, to find their way back to public education? Um, are we going to start to see some unique strategies from, from districts, from states around really promoting the, uh, the power 
and education so that we start to see that pipeline in our universities pick back up. Because even pre-pandemic, I don't, I don't know what you saw at job fairs pre-pandemic, but for me, the last couple of years leading into the pandemic, job fairs that would have thousands of kids looking for jobs were maybe just in the hundreds. And it just didn't seem like, just like you're talking about, you know, applicant pools being lower it seemed like at the university levels that we were seeing fewer and fewer students, especially in those really important areas that are that are always difficult to find anyway. It's hard to find good math teachers. It's hard to find male elementary school teachers. It's, it, you know, I mean, special education teachers. It just seemed like those numbers continued to get a little bit lower and a little bit lower. And I, I don't know, were, were you seeing that at the job fairs you attended? Yeah, absolutely. This is exactly where we're at. On the good news at UNI, they just recently had what they call teacher convocation. So all the young students that are going into education. And honestly, we're starting to see an uptick. I think the good news is that we have to think how we talk about education, um, you know, to our students here in the high school. And that's grow your own method and grow your own model and really try to get kids to understand teaching is a great profession. You know, it is a profession that pays bills um, and it's the profession that affects all the other professions. So I still think it's a, a great thing. And we kids will have jobs. I mean, there's another thing. And I, we're looking at lots of loan programs in the state of Iowa to forgive loan forgiveness. So, again, if students can come out with their four year degree, not have any debt and then give back. I think that would be a wonderful thing. And, and we, we need more teachers, but I think we're starting to see a small uptick, but we know it's going to be really tight for several years. We also know that people are leaving the field. And so that's a number that's hard to quantify because we don't know how many people are, are truly leaving until you do those exit surveys and what they're leaving for, how much more money. Um, recently I had a teacher leave to go private sector and making $15,000 a year more. And again, that's real American money that again, will pay bills for their family. And so we're going to miss that teacher greatly. Um, but again, do I blame them? No. And that's why we have to try to stay as competitive as possible. So again, I think you're going to see more people going into it. Um, but you also have some people that, no, they're, they're going to go private sector because the dollars and wages are just that much more. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting challenge. And, and, you know, it's something that's I just find it so unique in, in how it varies from state to state. Um, as a rookie teacher, you know, my 11 years in the classroom is spent in Arizona, which is one of the one of the states that really does not do near enough to fund education. And then, of course, returned to my home state, Wyoming, which, you know, I mean, the the dollars per student in the state of Wyoming are, are astronomically higher than they are of anybody in the Rocky Mountain region. And then, of course, superintendent Colorado, where it was right back down you know, into those bottom five or six states for, for funding. And I know Iowa is certainly a little bit higher than that. In a conversation earlier last week with um, the, the president of the uh, Administrator Association in Colorado, it sounds like the legislative session is actually going in the favor of, of educators. In other words, additional monies coming into the schools, an actual nod to an insanely high um, uh, cost of living that that has really increased, you know, with uh, with inflation. Iowa has been a little bit interesting to watch from a legislative uh, perspective, and and not necessarily just because of dollars and cents, but because of and, and you referred to it a few minutes ago, um, with you know some some actions towards trying to move money more towards charter schools or some other some other bills that maybe the the less less informed probably don't get. 
but I know you and several of your superintendent uh, colleagues in the state of Iowa are very outspoken about some of these challenges. I don't know exactly where you want to go with that, but you know, I'll, I'll just let you kind of run a little bit with, with some of those challenges. Well, I, I think you're spot on. And I think, um, you know, we're fighting for the future of public education here in Iowa. Um, it's a playbook. It's a national playbook. You see this playing out in other states. And again, depending on which side of a perspective you'd be on, red versus blue, I don't want it to play out that way, but it's really public versus private. And again, we have to step back and ask what has worked for a long time? What has worked here in Iowa for a long time? How are schools in rural Iowa going to best function when there are no private schools, charter schools, um, things like that for choice? We have school choice in Iowa already. It's called open enrollment. That works really well. If you don't like your school district you're in, you file the paperwork and you can go to any school district that you want to um, within, you know. And so we've, we've had a system that works um, to privatize it and to make things for profit. Um, again, is going to be a very interesting system. Lots of these programs also use technology. And we know that some kids learn with technology, but not all kids learn with technology very well. And so I, I worry about a lot of the things, the soft skills that you learn in a school um, and those things, the communication, the collaboration, the teamwork, um, the creativity, all of those things that still some of it can be done on a computer, but not all of it. So, um, yeah, we, we're in a very interesting time here now. In fact, they'll be voting this week on this bill um, as our session is supposed to be done. I could the, go uh, on, but yeah. I probably shouldn't. As sinister teachers, you know, there's t-shirts that Ray Gunn, our, our company here in Iowa has made up, but again, it's how can we all work together? And that's the part that is different than in the past. In the past, they'd reach across party lines and try to come up with a good compromise. Unfortunately, right now we have things called the omnibus bill where they're throwing things together and legislatures, maybe we're a legislator or Senator might be against something, and then they put a bunch of bills together and they package it and the way it's packaged together. Well, I have to vote for this or this only makes sense. Or, you know, being told that, hey, you're on this party line, you need to vote our way. And, and that's tough because what, it's not a one size fits all here in Iowa. We have school districts of varying sizes, shapes, all sorts of different programming. And I'm not saying that private schools don't work. That's great. It's great that they do. But, um, you know. If that goes through, it'll be very interesting. We're also restructuring income tax in Iowa. So I have, great, I have some concerns about that. Of course, no one loves to pay income tax, but if you go to a flat tax or get rid of income tax altogether, you are losing billions of dollars in funding. And now in three to four years, we have a financial cliff. And that financial right. cliff will deal with local tax rates rising immensely. And so our property tax rates from the city's perspective, a county perspective, the school's perspective, um, that's something that we're going to need to work with some of our partners, including Farm Bureau, um, and try to figure out how we can work together on this crisis that is coming up in a few years. And you need only look a little bit to your southwest in the state of Colorado, where some things were done years ago from from a property tax perspective that the the long and the short of it has led to huge funding cliffs that have limited funding in schools, limited funding for roads, for, you know, for roads and bridges and those kinds of things. And uh, then how do you get out from under it? It's, it's certainly a challenge. And we, we could talk about legislative stuff for, for hours and hours. And that's probably, I don't know, we might have a few listeners who are like, Oh yeah, give me more, but probably not a lot of them. So, I think so it's, okay moving it's not, not something that, you know, yeah. Iowa already has the worst bridges and 
in the state of or in the whole United States. And so, you know, I know there's a five billion dollar package to improve our roads and and things with the federal government stepping in. Yet we're cutting things here locally. So it seems like we're just not willing to work together. And that's what's tough because educators, one thing we do is we work really well together to do what's best for kids on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's move maybe to uh, to just just one more topic before we get to get to our last last question. And it's something you referred to a little bit earlier about telling your story. Uh, obviously, something I'm very passionate about. You mentioned Joe Simplipo. Um, you know, George Kuros, of course, has said, you know, make the positives so loud that you could barely hear the negatives. What are some things specifically with social media that you are doing, or that you just consciously think about that maybe? a leader who is struggling a little bit with telling their story in, in their school, their district, their organization might be able to glean from you that has worked really well. Um, I think we've done a lot of things just to make sure our, our social media is well-rounded and it's not just showing one thing such as sports. Um, obviously they still are on quite a bit. We try to share newspaper articles back. We try to work collaboratively with any media that's done, whether it's something on TV, news, things like that. And we share those positive stories all the way through. So it's a win-win. They get they get more feedback and more likes on their story, but we also get it on our page. So we try to work as much as possible with our media. We've also um, done a lot of videos. We try to do a little video spurts on our special events, hot topics. We just had a STEAM festival. We had about 800 people in Osage for a STEAM festival. So we did hire someone and spent a little money on some media for that so that we could document that and what it looked like, what it sounded like. We interviewed parents, students, adults. And so, again, we're really um, trying to pinpoint what are the things that will get us bang for their buck? What are things that need some extra support? Um, Riceville School, we are have taken over the daycare um, that is housed here in the school. So it's part of ours. And so, again, how do we tell that story of the daycare so that people realize it's here? If you're new to the area or somewhere, and how do we showcase that? And again, a lot of people are like to watch videos. They don't like to read things if we send out newsletters, you know. Again, people want very right. short characters, short snippets, things like that. But people love pictures, you know. So, again, are the classrooms doing their job of promoting their story? Is the school doing their job on every different level um, and, and getting the word out in multiple ways? Um, we still have people that read the newspaper. So how do we get stuff in the newspaper as well? So there's a lot of ways to get the word out. It's just literally of... Um, looking at even a communications person, someone that that's their job. Because right now in small towns and small schools, what's happening is that we have um, the superintendent wears that hat as well, or a, a part-time, a principal or somebody, they're also taking on these extra roles. So it's important that you showcase and share that because one person really can't be the everything to the district. And communications though is very important. So um, again, how, how is the district using their dollars to promote positively? Because, again, if you get one or two students that come to your school because of that positive media, that would pay for itself in the money that you've spent. So that would be some of my advice yeah. to new people. Yeah, I like that. I think that's I think that's awesome. Okay, final question, Barb, leaning into leadership podcast. So how how right now are you really leaning into leadership? Well, I think I lean into leadership um, as far as trying to be there for my our administrators and trying to really make sure that they know that they're supported and to help them in anything that they're doing. And then I lean back heavily into my peers. Um, I'm pretty blessed that both of my schools are in different AEAs. So I'm networked into almost, oh, I'd say one AEA has 56 superintendents. The other one has 25. So, you know, I have 75 superintendents at my fingertips or my athletic family, that, that, that group that I'm with. You know, so we reach out to each other. We learn from each other. We try to get better from each other. 
Um, I have several peers that I talk to on a regular basis just for check-ins. You know, you call people, hey, how was your day today? Hey, anything you're dealing with, what's going on? You know, we're sending messages to people and just trying to be there for others because, again, we're all in this together. Um, we're all still learning. None of us are perfect at this job. But, you know, my PLN on Twitter is great for learning and reaching out to as well. Um, and so I, I just think it's something that, again, leaning into it, learning all the time, listening to people and, and just trying to get better. Because, again, you're never done with this job. <laughs> There's always something that's going to be thrown. And I'm in year seven and I'm still having things that I've not dealt with or new things being thrown um, our way. And so it's trying to learn and be um, the best that we can at it. And hopefully, hopefully your job is to make sure that there's quality control. Your job is to make sure that the school and the teachers have all the supports they need, whether it's um, curriculum, whether it's the financial tools, things so they can be the best they can because these kids matter. These kids are our future. And I think that's one thing I wish the legislature would understand, quit attacking schools and, and just realize that we are the ones that are helping with the, the next society. So uh, again, just supporting each other, I think, and, and trying to learn as much as I can. So I'm very thankful for being able to talk there in today. Again, I, I appreciate all of our um, network that we have together as well. Yeah, I, I appreciate that so much too, Barb. Thank you for being a guest on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Hopefully, uh, everything that uh, everything that's out there and, and and floating floating around everything you're dealing with right now is gonna gonna land in a positive way, and you're able to wrap up your school year in a in a very positive way. So, thank you again for being on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. You bet. Thank you, and have a great day. So, there are those people that when we meet them and we start to build a relationship, we discover that we could just talk to them for hours on end. Honestly, Barb Schwaman is one of those people for me. I really enjoy every chance I get to have conversations with Barb. Since we recorded this podcast, we've had probably three more conversations, including one just the other day. And that was probably the first 20 minutes, just Barb kind of sharing some uh, some of the happenings in Osage and Riceville with me. And um, I just really appreciate her and I appreciate all of those folks that I have relationships with like that, where we can just have those open and honest conversations and share the events that are happening in our life, challenges in our work, and and so forth. Um, you have those folks too. And don't forget to reach out and thank them and to tell them how much you appreciate them. I received a message the other day that reminded me really why I'm doing this podcast. And that message was from a school administrator here in the United States. And she said simply, keep doing what you're doing. You inspire me so much every day and you're inspiring more people than you realize. See, to me, that is such an incredible reward. That is such a, a fulfilling thing to hear because I sit here in this office and I'm all by myself when I'm recording and I don't know what it's going to be like when it hits your ears on the other end. So when I hear that feedback, I, I truly appreciate that. In fact, I would ask if you would, if you haven't already, to write a review for the podcast. Uh, give me a you know, give me a five star rating and write a simple review because that helps to spread the message of the show and helps to enhance and grow our our listenership. Um, that's one of the goals that I have with the podcast is getting that listenership up to a certain level. It's grown tremendously, and I'm so grateful for where we are. I'm actually surprised how early we are at the level we are, but I want to continue to see that grow. I want to continue to reach more people because 
Folks, let's be honest. We all need to hear that message of hope. We all need to hear that inspiration and to know that as leaders, we're not alone and we're not dealing with things that are, you know, simply something we have. Others are faced with some of the similar challenges that we are faced with. So again, you know, give us a five-star review, uh, write a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And now it's time for a pep talk. During the interview, Barb talked about the R factor, relationships. Relationships are the glue that hold everything together. All the efforts we put in in our classroom, in our schools, on our bus, in the lunchroom, tend to fall short if the relationship doesn't exist. I will tell you that to me, relationships are the most important thing. And if you've listened to the podcast long, if you've known me long, you know I talk a lot about relationships. I got to share with you, Jocelyn's Renaissance, again, if you know me, you know how important Jocelyn's Renaissance is to me, has added relationships as the sixth R in the Jocelyn's Renaissance formula. I'm telling you what, folks, relationships are everything. And since I bring up Jocelyn's Renaissance, I got to tell you, and it's in the show notes, if you're not aware of the Jocelyn's Renaissance Global Conference, folks, you got to go to jocelynsrenaissance.com and check this out. This is by far and away the gold standard of any conference related to culture and climate. In fact, I would tell you of all the conferences that I've been to during the course of my career, there are very, very few that I've gone back more than once. I've been to the Jostens Renaissance Conference over 10 times. I'm going again this year. I've gone every year since 2007 because it's that powerful. It's that amazing. It's that impactful. I'm telling you, this will relight your fire. This will fill your cup. This will get you energized. Go to jostensrenaissance.com. Check it out. I will see you in Orlando in July. I've got that information in the show notes along with everything else that you need to have yourself a road to awesome week. Everybody take care. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.